Hey, it's Carmen DeFalco from ESPN in Chicago, and you're listening to The Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Going to Wrigley Field was a huge, unforgettable deal that impacted my life. Well, I think the Cubs winning based upon the, the gap was one of the biggest championships that, is, that have happened in any American sport in a really long time. The first day that they introduced me, I said, baseball matters on the north side of Chicago. It's one of the, I love baseball and I love fan bases where it's important. Well, I always hated the idea of the Cubs as lovable losers because I don't think there's anything lovable about putting an inferior product in front of baseball fans. It would be the highlight of my career uh, to see that happen and to, to get a chance to call it. And it, it didn't disappoint. I auditioned for the new kid. I, his name was Billy Crystal. I don't know whatever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on the Chad and Ryan show. Welcome to Friendly Confines Extra Innings with Chad Gordon and Ryan Lieber. going to start off in the first inning and Ryan you said it a second ago we've just got a couple weeks to go um, I believe 12 games we've got four series we've got the the quick one against the twins we've got a four game set against the Cardinals I'm going to be there for two of those pretty stoked about that my first ever day night doubleheader in my fandom and then you've got three games against the Pirates and then three more against the Cardinals Ryan what do you want to see here in the first inning what do you want to see over the next two weeks in these 12 games against those three different opponents yeah i mean i again i don't know if wins or losses really make a difference at this point i you know i'm not one to sit here and say i know we talked about this last week sure it would be great if the cubs wanted to play spoiler against you know the st louis cardinals and try to ruin their playoff chances i mean right now the cardinals are the hottest team in baseball winning nine of ten but i just think at the end of the day you want to see progress and whether that is just seeing guys kind of, um, you know, coming into their own to end the season on a high note is is fine by me. You kind of want to see some, you know, I, I guess some some depth in the uh, in the pitching staff as far as um, you know reaching some goals. The bullpen maybe you know looking a little better, but I don't think wins or losses at this point, Chad, is something that I care about. Right? Like, is it better just to finish up with? Uh, I don't know, a 79 and 83 record for the sake of just making it look a little better? Or does it really matter at this point if they have 78 wins or 67 wins? So for my money, I think you just kind of want to see improvement all the way around. And you want to see something where there's a little bit of life at the end of the season that gets you going in 2022 saying, okay, that's something we can build on. That's something I can look forward to. What about yourself? You know, it's it's not about improvement for me. It's about heart. It's about seeing in these games, and I haven't seen this in these games, even when this team was having consecutive multiple monster double-digit losing streaks, one with the core group and then one with this new group. I just want to see heart. I want to make sure that right to the very last game they're out there battling, and I know they are, and we know they are. There's some names that we never knew about 
when we never imagined that it would get this bad and they would sell off the entire team for the, all those trades. Um, but I just want to see some heart. I'm not sure what we're going to see from a pitching perspective, what you're going to do now. It's, you know, the recent situation like Dylan Mil Maples. There's a guy that a lot of people had as a potential starter in the future of the club. He's been outrighted. He's gone. He's off the team. They needed a spot for him on the 40 man. So we're, in a situation right now where the Cubs front office has seen what they have in a lot of cases, seen the heart that they have a lot of cases, and they're they're doing the the, the you know they're doing the, the the math in their head about you know what kind of poker hand they're holding and what could be possible going into the next season. But for me, as I said, I'm going to be there on Friday. I'm going to see a, a, unfortunately just a seven inning day game and a seven inning night game. But I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at Wrigley Field. It's going to be. A Friday afternoon game in September, which is a beautiful thing, and a, and a Friday night game, which is a rarity. I'm still a fan, still enjoying it. And uh, season's coming to a close. And just so you know, Rhino, I just yesterday got my invoice for spring training tickets in Mesa. So it's not like the business office is taking any time off. I know that. Uh, David Harmon, who's uh, watching tonight, thank you, David, just says the Cubs need to finish out the season with a positive mindset and pick it up stronger next season. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely right. Kind of what you were touching on as well, Chad. So hopefully, um, like we said, something to build on into next season. Well, something to definitely build on into next season, Chad, as we start the second inning. How about Patrick Wisdom, uh, mm. who now has set a Cubs rookie record for most home runs in a season, 27. Um, Chad, I guess the question I have for you is, is Patrick Wisdom, in your opinion, uh, the rookie of the year in the National League with the numbers he has put up this year, or does it go to somebody else? What do you think about that? It's not going to go. I, I think he might be able to sneak in just come from the market size of a, of a number number three or a number four pick, but he's not my pick for rookie of the year. I think a, a couple pitchers are going to have that claim to fame. I you know I wish that Patrick had an opportunity to see what he could have done over the course of 162 games. I mean, where would his home run totals be? It's a great stat. Only five Major League Baseball players have hit at least 27 home runs in a season with 355 plate appearances or less. So basically, that's just showing that with a very few amount of, of, of opportunities, a lot of home runs. He's averaging a breakneck pace. So it's him. It's Glenn Allen Hill who had 27 in 2000, Giancarlo Stanton, 27 in 2015, Mike Zanino, who has 20, uh, 28 this year, and McGuire, who had 32 in 2000. And a couple of those might have been aided by uh, some chemicals, uh, not saying anything about Mark McGuire. But what I love about Patrick Wisdom is, is there's a guy that um, has now, he owns the, the Cubs rookie record, uh, for home runs. I mean, he has more rookie home runs than Bryant, who just set that just a few years ago in 15. He has more than Ernie Banks. He's a guy that conceivably, if he had been able to play a whole year, be in the 40s, which that means he'd be one of the league leaders. And so it makes you think about what do we do about the Patrick's uh, wisdom situation? Does he get a full ride? I think he does. He gets He's slotted in there at third unless they bring Chris back. But he has the versatility to play a corner spot. He has the versatility to play um, the, the infield corner spots. Um, the only issue with Patrick, which is what you're going to have with these feast or famine sort of guys, is, and especially over the last couple of weeks, is his strikeout totals are nearing 40 45%. So you're going to see something incredible, like him nearly taking the roof off in Milwaukee, or you're going to see a big swing and a hack and a miss. Uh, yeah. And listen, I think he's got a shot. He's probably on the cusp. There's no one really in the national league. That's absolutely, 
you know, a, a runaway winner. Uh, Jonathan India with the Reds has had a, a nice year. He's, you know, and, and Trevor Rogers has had a decent year with the Marlins. You were talking about, you know, with a pitcher. But um, I think the, the biggest problem with, with Wisdom, as you said, is he's hitting 237 right now. And I, I don't think that is going to uh, win over votes. The power's there. I think this is a guy you give at least an opportunity to, as you said, next year, because in only 321 you know, plate appearances, he's got 27 homers. This is a guy who I think has, you know, 40 plus home runs written all over him. If he's got enough at bats, I think it's just a matter of, is this guy going to be able to hit the ball uh, good enough? Are we looking at a guy that's going to be hitting in the 230s, 240s? Is that good enough for an everyday third baseman? I don't know about that. You know, it's so the front that, office as we move Kyle, on to the – oh, sorry, Ryan. No, I was just saying it's got that Kyle Schwarber sort of feel to it. So I, I, I just wonder if uh, ultimately he's going to have uh, longevity um, as a player who's going to be able to, you know, stick around long enough for this ball club um, for the for the foreseeable right. future if he's not able to hit over. And you raise a good point. I'm 29 years old, you know. Right. So, you know, he's an older guy. I, I love seeing the grief. He did get quite a bit of at bats. I have to find the, the 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 year, but there was one year he got dozens and dozens and dozens of at bats, maybe like four dozen for the Cardinals. So, I frankly don't understand um, what the rookie of the year criteria is. What makes you a rookie? Because this is not his first time. But uh, speaking of frankly, let's move on to the third inning and Frank the franchise Swindell. This guy has come out of seemingly nowhere. If you look at his track record, everywhere he was in all of the different franchises, three franchises, he was blocked at first, blocked by the A's at first. He was blocked by the Tigers and Miguel Cabrera at first. But here's a guy that is putting up actual MVP-like numbers if he could have had a season to be on this pace. Who knows if pitching would have adjusted. But when you think about Frank Swindell, you think about first base for the Chicago Cubs. It's a no-brainer, right? He's coming back, right? I mean – Anthony Rizzo is not coming back. Frank's the guy, right? Well, that's that's there lies the bigger question, right, Chad? Like that's that's the question. It's it's not if uh, Frank Schwindel is coming back. We know he's coming back. It's that we have now guaranteed that Anthony Rizzo is not coming back because Frank Schwindel is is now the franchise of this baseball team. Uh, as you said, I mean, the guy just continues to put up incredible numbers. 340 batting average, 14 home runs. Let's say here's another guy who, you know, potentially could uh, be up for rookie of the year, right? I mean, he's only got 191 at bats. Maybe next year he qualifies uh, as a rookie. But this is another guy who I think next year you got to give this guy the opportunity to, to shine. And I know I said this on our show last week. Is this one of those situations where maybe – the major leagues has not caught up to him and knows exactly how to pitch to him? Or is this guy for real? And this is somebody that the Cubs need to kind of build their team around and say, okay, we got somebody who we think could be, you know, a, a cornerstone for this baseball team. So I, I love this guy as a player. It's a shame that he's getting overshadowed in the sense that he doesn't play for a very good baseball team. But I'd like to think next year we're going to see more of him and yeah, that answers the question, Chad, for all those that were wondering, well, maybe Anthony Rizzo comes back and signs with the Cubs. I think that now we know that's not happening unless there's another position Frank Schwindel can play. Anthony Rizzo is not going to be a part of this franchise next season. 
it seems very unlikely. And, and one of the positives you can take from this, and you could even add in Patrick Wisdom, if you say, you know what, they're going to be on, on the corners in the infield, well, that gives a, a tremendous amount of flexibility for the front office to make the moves they need to make if they're going to bring in some sort of maybe shortstop, you know, centerpiece, or even try to bring back a Chris Bryant and say, Chris, you know, likelihood we need you in the outfield. But uh, it really provides a lot of opportunity. When you talk about the franchise, since August 5th, he leads the league in multi-hit games. Um, he's first in batting average, and I may be off because of the Sunday games, but batting nearly 370. He's first in hits with over 55. He's tied for fourth in home runs. He's tied for third in RBIs. And he's tied for third in extra base hits. This is a production machine. And so he's not striking out a ton. Um, he's putting good wood on the ball. He's barreling seemingly everything. And it kind of begs the question, and this is a deeper conversation than here just in the third inning, but good God, how many other Frank Swindells are toiling around in the minors and never getting a chance because they're blocked by people? Here's the guy that is making the absolute most of his opportunity. And I can't say I'm unhappy about the thought of of him starting off next year in Mesa and getting that first base job. He's certainly done what he can to earn it here. And teams that are playing the Cubs right now certainly are trying to get him out, but nobody's figured it out as of yet. So it's going to be interesting to see um, if some regression does happen. But from what I see, this is a hundred hungry guy that has basically said, look at me. I've been here all along. I'm your guy. And I think in 2022, we're going to see if he has the opportunity to be the guy, because right now he is the leader on this team in, in just about every way. All right. So let's move on now to the fourth inning now, Chad. And uh, obviously it's been a rocky year for one pitcher in particular, and that being one Kyle Hendricks. Uh, the record is 14 and six, but that ERA is very unlike Kyle Hendricks at this point with a 4-8-1, nearly a 5 ERA. He had a stretch, though, where he was pitching unbelievable, but certainly it has been a very difficult go for him this season. Is it fair to say at this point, Chad, that Kyle Hendricks is no longer the ace of this baseball team and maybe his uh, his his seasons uh, looking back are, are the best that we've seen and that this is maybe the apex of Kyle Hendricks? Or are we just looking at an outlier of a season and he should be back to what we expect next season? You know what? We're going to see him in the last three starts of this season. We're going to see him finish out this string. And let's be honest, Kyle Hendricks was never the low ERA guy. So to, you know, to, to say that he's in the fours is if that's a horrible thing when league averages is in the threes, high threes. You know, what Kyle brings to the table is workmanship. He is about good pace of play. He's about getting in there and letting the defense do their job. He's about keeping it close. Now, granted, he had a 7-0 lead. Um, oh, up in Milwaukee, and he uh, gave up seven, didn't even get out of the fourth inning. But there is an aspect to Kyle Hendricks right now is I think he's a much better team. Kyle Hendricks with the Dodgers would be a lot better than what we're seeing with Kyle Hendricks with the Cubs because he does rely on a lot of run support, um, and he relies on a big, solid defense that gets it done. So, I, you know, he's he's a bargain, and if he comes out into next year and he's your number three, because, right, you know, going into this year he was your number one, number two, um, if he's your number, if he's as bad as a number three for the, uh, for the future Cubs team and he's the veteran presence, I'm going to be okay with that. What do you think? I think that, you know, Kyle is a very, uh, good pitcher, but I don't know if Kyle Hendricks is a guy you can look at and say he's an ace in major league baseball. I think the way that aces are today, Chad, 
the Greg Maddox type pitchers, I don't think they really exist anymore to be an ace sort of pitcher, right? You got to have the Jacob DeGroms, the Max Scherzers, you know, the the uh, Walker Buehlers, the Garrett Coles. Those are the guys that are the ace pitchers, guys who are blowing the ball by everybody at 100 plus miles per hour, guys who are striking out 300, you know, batters a year. That's where the game is now kind of trending to. And unfortunately, not to say Kyle Hendricks can't play in this league, because he certainly can, but I don't look at Kyle Hendricks as a guy who can be a um, a number one, a guy who can shut down another team. And you're like, hey, this is our guy that we're going to go to. I think until the Cubs have somebody like that, they did have somebody like that. You know, once when, when John Lester was in his prime, when Arietta was in his prime, we saw that sort of pitcher that was dominant. Um, until the Cubs get that again, they had Hugh Darvish. Until the Cubs get that again, I, I, they don't have an ace right now. And while Kyle Hendricks, I think, as you said, is a good two or three, um, I just don't think he's he's a number one guy. Now, I appreciate that. And I, it does raise a question, and we're not going to get in this into an inning, but now retrospectively looking at that Hugh Darvish trade, was it a bad deal? Because Hugh Darvish has been an absolute non-factor for the Padres who are reeling I think they've lost something like 23 out of their last 35 games and and have just and and as you saw in the dugout the implosion between Tatis and Machado but you Darvish has 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 been completely ineffective and he's he's 35 plus now so you got to wonder if maybe the Cubs front office knew what they were doing there getting out of his contract getting out from underneath the contract to a willing buyer and we won't know from the prospects cuz those guys are so young but yeah Pitching's changed, Rano. You're right. Pitching's changed, and and the complete game overpowering from start to finish pitching, or the the workmanship, you know, craftsmanship guy. It's all about getting to that third time through the order and moving into your into your bullpen. And we're we're seeing Kyle Hendricks. I think there is the it's it's a falter a little bit, but I still like him on this lineup going in to next year. Now, here's another thing to think about: uh, lineup going into next year. If Frank Schwindel is on the lineup at uh, at first base, if Patrick Wisdom is over there at third base, and let's say Chris Bryant's super happy moving on to San Francisco, which everybody thinks that's the case, do you bring back Javi Baez? And the reason I ask that, and we've asked that before, I don't think we're going to get Javi Baez at a discount anymore. He has been on an absolute tear since the thumbs down, thumbs up situation, and he has maybe potentially played himself into an extra. 50 to $70 million by what he's showing under the brightest lights and keeping a very poor Mets team still within reach of the wild card run. What do you think is, is Javi, has he played himself into a mega blockbuster deal with the likes of the other big five in the, uh, in the, in the shortstop race? Chad, it's pretty amazing as we saw how hard and how difficult Javi Baez start to the season was and he has absolutely been lights out um, in these past few weeks, as you said. And if you look collectively between Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Javi Baez, in my opinion, overall, Javi Baez is having the best season of the three. He's, you know, yes, he's hitting 264, which, you know, he's just a shade below where Chris Bryant's hitting. He's got 31 home runs, many more home runs than Bryant or Rizzo has. And he's got 84 RBIs, more RBIs than both of those guys. Javi Baez is having himself an incredible year. And to your point, yes, he is probably going to make a lot more money than uh, maybe some people had anticipated. And maybe, just maybe, the deep pockets of the New York Mets 
Um, and you've said it before, if Steve Cohen can go out and maybe lure a Theo Epstein to be the team president, we know how Theo feels about Javi and, and the type of player that he is. Maybe they're just willing to say, hey, we're going to put you at second base and you're going to be our second baseman moving forward. And you're going to, you know, be right playing next to Francisco Lindor. So if the Cubs are going to try and get Javi, which, hey, there's no reason why they can't, right? I mean, they're going to have the money to do it. I still think there's a good possibility that could happen because that that's the guy who I think of the three is most willing to come back at this point and is probably the most signable at this point as well for what you're getting back from a value. I, I don't think fans would be as excited. Let's just hypothetically say Anthony Rizzo came back, right? He's on the tail end of his career. I think fans would be excited for Chris Bryant, but I just don't think Chris Bryant is going to be affordable in the, in the respect that the Cubs are willing to put that money forward. And I don't think Bryant wants to come back. I think Javi would consider coming back. And I think Javi would not necessarily take a discount, but I think the Cubs would be willing to pay what Javi wants because it would be significantly less than what Chris Bryant is offering. And I would welcome Javi Baez back and just be curious to see if the Mets are willing, or another team for that matter, willing to offer more. What about you? Chris Bryant does not not want to come back to Chicago. Chris Bryant wants to get paid. Chris Bryant right. is a, a generational talent, and he wants to get paid. And he is not going to take a discount to come put on a Cubs uniform still when he's already got a tro he's already got a statue lined up when he retires. And it'll probably be a statue like the Cardinals did, where they have like three or four guys in one statue. He's made his mark in Chicago. He's going to get paid. What I've shared with you about Javi Baez is he's the most marketable guy on this team that we've had in this entire last decade, period. No one comes close. Nobody lines up five blocks in advance for Javi Baez, for, for Anthony Rizzo bobblehead day. They do it for Javi Baez. Nobody chants anybody's last name in a key situation except for Javi Baez. Javi Baez is a crowd pleaser. Javi Baez is every kid out there, young person, young adults, favorite player for this Cubs team in this run period there's 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 in terms of value he has the most value but here's the cool thing he actually has value you take Simeon out of the equation Toronto and you take Trevor Story out of the equation and Javi Baez has the third best war among the all of the top five shortstops that are hitting free agency along with Seager and Korea uh, so you you he is actually having arguably the second best season with all the distractions with the trade with the early struggles in the Mets his second best season of his career and so he is gonna I mean he's played himself in, in, in a lot more value I don't think your premise of of no matter how deep those pockets are the Mets being able to make a run and put 700 800 million dollars in the center of, of a lineup I don't see that happening because they're going to need many many more uh, pieces and second bases where you can go a little bit cheaper. It's kind of like your budget guy on the infield. It's it's a nice story to be able to play with his best friend. But I think Javi Baez is a guy that how would the lights of L.A. shine for Javi? I mean, that could be something um, if the Dodgers don't bring Seager back. But the Cubs would not struggle by bringing him back with something to prove. Um, and I mean, think about it. this is the guy that when he was in high school, got the major league baseball logo right here on the back of his neck. Cause he knew he was going to be the guy he ain't done yet. He's not going to rest on his laurels. He wants to, um, 
be more and and be a bigger part of of a franchise. Keep in mind, he was not a team leader in 15 and 16. He was the young guy still figuring it out when this team won it all. So he still has to have the opportunity where he can be the leader with the energy and and bring a team together. We're seeing the effects of a young kid who gets a big contract in Tatis in in San Diego, who has not shown the leadership skills by everything you're seeing in the paper with the big dust up in 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 the dugout. But Javi Baez right now, if he was the one guy to come back, I told you, I want Bryant back because I think he's going to have the most long-term value and I love his flexibility. But if Javi is in the infield next to Frank Swindell and Patrick Wisdom and Nico Horner, it's not a bad infield. I could, I could go there. That's that's that there's power in that lineup. And in today's major league baseball, you got to score a lot of runs to win games. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's, it's at least somebody that you can market this team next year with, you got to have somebody as much as we love Frank Schwindel, you're not going to market this team around Frank Schwindel. You can market this team around bringing somebody like Javi Baez back. All right. So let's move on to the sixth inning, Chad. And David Ross, of course, you can arguably say has maybe faced two of the most difficult years ever as a manager of the Chicago Cubs. I mean, we're going back way. I'm sure we can find, you know, guys here and there. Uh, you know, there's certainly plenty of guys that we could, you know, maybe Rick Renteria is up there. Dale Swain might be up there. But Rossi certainly had his work cut out for him these first two years. Dealing with a pandemic and then now dealing with arguably, um, you know, the, the, the biggest fire sale of all time in the history of this franchise. Not even arguably, it was. So how do you... I guess, evaluate the first two years of David Ross and trying to figure out if he is ultimately the right person for this job, because we all assume he will be back next year. Um, But at what point do you sit there and say, okay, now we have to sit here and say, when is it the time to decide whether David Ross is the right guy or is not the right guy, even though next year we assume he will be back. How do you evaluate the job that Rossi has done so far for the first two seasons. You know, David Ross has probably the softest landing, the longest runway of any manager right now, because you cannot look at the struggles last year with COVID. You throw that out the window. You can't look at what happened this year and put any blame in these two seasons on David Ross. He has the opportunity to kind of create what he needs to create. I've, I've got a crazy dark horse pick last week. You said, you know, who is Jed going to bring in as his general manager? Well, we just heard in the, in the last day or so that David Ross wants to spend a lot more time in player development and wants to get into kind of the scouting game. You know, who's to say maybe David Ross not only doesn't get let go, which he won't, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's head coach and assistant general manager to make, you know, so, so Theo can have a, a shorter leash between him and his uh, manager. You've heard it here first. It's probably not going to happen. But if it does happen, I was the first person to say that. Mark Silverman hasn't made that prediction, but I am. David Ross has got to show us something next year because he is going to have the opportunity to put a group of young talent out there who have a chance to overachieve, much like that 2015 team where nobody saw that really coming, even though they did start investing with Lester and others. Uh, he has an opportunity um, to create – this team in his own image, I think he struggled to do that when you had Rizzo and you had Hayward and you had Bryant and you had hot, you had all these guys that have been there, done it even with him. So there's all these individuals. And I think David Ross has an opportunity like where Joe Madden does a much better job of kind of shaping younger talent. So 
I think next year is going to be his make or break year. I don't think there's any pressure on him at all. I don't think anybody could look at the Cubs struggles down the stretch in, in 19 and, and, and think, oh, well, that would have been different with or without David Ross. But yeah, 20 and, and this year, there's no issue. So it's not a thumbs up or it's not a thumbs down. I think a comedy of errors led to where we are right now. And also, sad to say, things end. And, and as they said on Cocktail, Coglin's Law, Everything ends badly, Ryan. Otherwise, it wouldn't end. And that's what this year, this year in um, this run was. It ended badly. It had to end. It had to end, Chad. And, you know, certainly, as you said, David Ross, popular player. Do we know if he's a good manager? I, I don't know if we do, because unfortunately, we he hasn't really had the horses to show everybody what ultimately he can do with a with a good roster. So, I hope that he's back next year. I, you know, look, in in an age where we see, see the manager doesn't really make much of a difference uh, when it comes to, you know, really managing the game, although Dusty Baker and, and Tony La Russa, two, uh, you know, candidates for manager of the year this year, you call them old school. Um, but, you know, Dusty's always been kind of a player manager and kind of creating that, you know, uh, cohesiveness in in the locker room. Uh, is really the last of the last or to kind of really just, you know, um, manage as they used to back in the day, Terry Francona, I would suppose as well. I, I like David Ross. He's easy to like, he's somebody who understands, you know, the game. I'd like to see him stick around as, as long as possible. But, you know, again, in the, in the era we live in where managers are pretty disposable, I'm just curious how much longer he's going to be interested in managing managing this team, um, or is he going to enjoy going back up to the booth where he's not going to get you know scrutinized and he has a cushy job and he can hang out with his actress girlfriend uh, much more often, for that matter. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We've got a great guest this week. You can find him on NBC Sports Chicago, on WGN Radio, and, of course, on Fansided as well. He's the host of the Windy City Podcast, too, so be sure to check him out where podcasts are available. It is Mark Carmen joining us here on the Friendly Confines. Mark, how you doing? Thanks so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch. Ryan, appreciate you having me. I've been waiting for the call. It finally feels good to be summoned from the bullpen to be on the pod. Thank you. Listen, it's great to have you amongst the uh, luminaries we've been able to uh, bring on, and we'll just add you to that very uh, big list of people now. So we're we're honored that you'd be able to join us. We appreciate your time. It, um, it is my pleasure. Well, I can't wait to talk. Let's talk some scintillating Cubs baseball. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's unfortunately the low point here, Mark. We got to talk about it, try to find something creative about the Cubs right now. And, you know, I guess let's just start here. Um, Crane Kenny, Jed Hoyer, both have been interviewed recently about the future of this team and what we can expect to see potentially next year or the next several years. You're a, you're a betting man. Where do you think this Cubs organization goes or what it even looks like next season when it comes to a team that potentially looks competitive or are we going to be looking at another season where it's going to be similar to what we see right now on the field? What, what's your ultimate take on that? I mean, I think they are going to be aggressive. I think you'll hear a lot of the Cubs and Carlos Correa in the off season. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs were at the top of the market and 
perhaps he would even choose to play in Chicago, assuming the Astros aren't right there. And that's an interesting guy uh, considering his history and the Astros history as far as winning World Series and not doing things the right way. But incredibly talented ball player, 27 years old, shortstop, certainly someone that Cubs fans, I think, could wrap their arms around and be excited about. But I And I also think they'll do things where they'll look for value and try to hit home runs. Um, you know, e- even stuff like if we rewind back how it all worked out uh, in, in winning a World Series, you know, when they went out and they signed Scott Feldman, and next thing you know, there he's in a trade for Jake Arrieta and Pedro Strobe. I think they'll try to do value moves like that. Like, a, I think they looked at Jock Peterson that way this year. Like, this guy's being undervalued right now. Tom Ricketts is saying, yes, we can pay him, and hopefully we can flip him for something if things go the way we think they're going to go this year. Which um, So they'll, they'll do all of that, and they'll have the flexibility to, to uh, you know, be aggressive. But uh, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a, a lot of optimism, Ryan, that they're going to be a viable, certainly World Series competitive team next year. To me, that seems crazy. I also want to mention you can find Mark on Twitter at the Carm, so be sure to check him out there. He's got some great stuff that you can find him on social media too. So yeah, you kind of mentioned that because when you look at the free agents that are available next year, <laughs> you kind of laugh because guess who some of the best ones are? Oh, it's the guys we just got rid of. So there's really not a huge pool, in my opinion, of guys that are going to give you that instant gratification that next season, as you said, you're going to have a contender on your hands. Carlos Correa is a great player, but you're going to need more than just a Carlos Correa, probably, if you're going to try and make some moves in the NL Central. What you think? You, would you agree with that? A thousand percent. They're going to obviously have to upgrade the pitching. How much are you going to spend on that? Or are they finally going to give guys opportunities and develop starting pitching, which would be amazing. But where I get kind of caught up in this because you know I've watched the Cubs try to piecemeal teams together for basically since I you know came out of the womb and then finally they went about it the right way and got rid of Jim Hendry turned the keys over to Theo best guy doing it and they took their time and things hit and they won not saying that it would necessarily they would win again doing it that way but and I've heard Jed Hoyer say multiple times that the same playbook that we used in 2011 to running up to 2016 is not necessarily going to work this time. I'm still in the question of why not, you know, why wouldn't you comfortably be bad, be transparent with your fans and make, you know, reasonable calculated free agency plays and then when your John Lester comes along, when you've kind of, you know, inched up the old food chain here, you strike again and you strike in a big way. I, I and, and also in conjunction with that, Tom Ricketts, let Cub fans know that you're not going to be charging premium prices for the product going, you know, in, in the near term, because that would only be fair. But I, I, it doesn't seem like they're going to do it that way. I think they want their cake and eat it too. Well, okay. So you bring up a great point. So let's dive into that a little bit, because I think there is a younger generation, as you well know, not you and me, I guess we're considered the old generation. Now, if you're a fan from the teams of the eighties and the nineties at this point, like you and I are, that are fans that 
don't remember the late or the, you know the 80s or those mid 90s teams that Sosa was on that were just brutal um this these are kids that you know they remember 2016 and they remember 2015 and 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 so forth um i wonder how much and especially with everything the rickets have done to beautify the area to as you said raise ticket prices i can't see them going backwards how much from a pr standpoint plus the marquee sports network now is a place that they would think to get more um you know resources from to go out and get people how much fans are going to be able to handle that now you and i i think we could because we've been through that multiple times in our lives but i wonder this younger generation if they're willing to uh withstand that and and be able to tolerate that sort of rebuild so that's interesting because what is the actual demographic of the cub fan today right who are the people that are actually going to wrigley field the ones that are living in the neighborhood and are paying a hundred dollars or whatever it is for a bleacher seat i don't think they really care what's going on on the field they just want to go to wrigley it's within three miles of the ballpark let's go drink some beers and see what i run into on a tuesday night or saturday afternoon whatever so I, I don't, I think they'll support it. The, the, the bigger question to me is when you look long-term because I grew up watching WGN. So did everyone else. Cubs had a monopoly there. And, and then that slowly, you know, when ESPN and whatnot came, came in, then it became more competitive. And now, well, you're, you're there is no WGN. There's the marquee network. So a 10 year old, it's a different experience. You're not coming home from school and turning on the Cub game to me, like, and, and the White Sox, by the way, are a much more, at least certainly on the field and even off the field for that matter, uh, a much more progressive place, a cooler place than the Cubs right now. So, and then there's the whole thing. Well, it's really tough to get down to the South side. Really? Uh, yes. More people live around Wrigley and that'll always be a seller, but like to actually go far East on Addison or Irving park, if you're coming from the suburbs, that's no day at the beach. So I, I do think the White Sox actually have an opportunity right now. And I think the Cubs have got to pay a little bit of attention to what is the actual reality of where you are right now and what your fans that you're trying to build and Clark, the Cubs not going to do it here. So I, I, you know, I, I, I think they, they, they need to be a little bit more fan friendly than they've had to be in the past. Cause I don't think this is just built in forever for them. And I, I would be cognizant of that. Mark Carvin is our guest here on the seventh inning stretch of the friendly confines. Mark, how do you think we'll ultimately look back on the trade of Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant? Not from the standpoint of, oh, we got rid of these guys that meant so much to us. I'm actually talking about moving forward, seeing how they're going to progress in their careers from this point on. There is a part of me, honestly, that thinks that these trades we are going to look back on and say, yeah, they really didn't amount to uh, amount to anything more than what they were doing with the Cubs. I don't, I don't see Chris Bryant all of a sudden, you know, hitting 45 home runs and hitting 320. I, I think he's going to be the same player. I think Javi Baez might even be regressing, and Rizzo's on the downturn of his career. What, what is your take on that, and and how that ultimately may look from a few years from now? So I had no problem with Rizzo going, and I had no problem with Baez going. Bryant, on the other hand, to me is a unicorn. Third, first, left, right, center, you know, 
off the field, you never have to worry about them. I keep down, you know, this year and even dating back, I guess, last year or maybe even two years ago, he's not tough enough. He, he's, he's not built for Chicago. Really? I mean, I remember the Cubs being down a run in game five and the offense completely being dead and he hits a bomb against the Indians and they end up winning that game and they end up winning the World Series. I mean, I remember Chris Bryant winning an MVP. I, so I don't, I don't get the, the Bryant thing. At, yeah, he's, is he, you know, whatever. Is he Mike Trout in his prime? No, but he's a really good baseball player. I'd take Chris Bryant on my team. I would have paid Chris Bryant. So that that part of it, I do think... And considering also, by the way, that seemingly they got the worst, you know, package for him because there was nobody, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees were both competing for Rizzo and the Mets are just dumb in, in, and, and I think, I mean, I'm everything you hear about Pete Crow Armstrong is this dude, you know, foul pole to foul pole. It's an interesting guy. I mean, I, I think they might've hit a home run on this trade. We'll see. Uh, we're all hoping that they did. So. The only one that I think we'll look back on, it's like, really? Why wouldn't you have paid KB? That, that's how I see it's going to fall out. So as we move on to the eighth inning here, Chad, I guess the question is now, would you rather have somebody like Javi Baez or would you rather have somebody like Carlos Correa from the Houston Astros? Does it matter uh, who the Cubs would get in that situation? What do you think about that? Yeah, here's the four and against. You bring back Javi, you hope you can get him on a discount. You think that, you know, He's not, you know, Javi's not going to get Tatis money. Probably won't get Carlos money. I really don't think that. So you'll get him at a little bit less. Uh, so if you can bring Javi back, you're saving some money. And yes, woe is me for the ownership. But you do need to stay underneath that luxury tax, depending on, um, you know, what happens in the negotiations between the players and the owners. So the, the pros for Javi coming back is you think that he's going to be a little bit more affordable. But I still think he's 250 and up. I think I really do think he's going to be 250 and up for Carlos. Here's a, an opportunity to make a clean break. Here's an opportunity to bring a guy in that is at the top of his game. He's a guy that's performed um, the best at the highest level. And also the Astros have had much more sustained success than the Cubs have had. Uh, and he's also raised a World Series trophy and been to a couple of World Series. And there is a, a tarnish on that. Maybe he wants a break. Maybe he wants to get somewhere and have a, a, a new market and a new fan base where is his jersey. So I think uh, – you know, the, 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 which one I'd rather have. I kind of like the clean break situation, but I think it's going to cost the Cubs front office. Listen, here's, here's the simple answer. Carlos Correa is a great player. He's, he's a wonderful shortstop. He, as you said, won a world series. Here's the thing. You want the guy who the fans are going to look at and go, eh, kind of cheated to get a world series. Or do you want the guy who you already are in love with, who you already have the relationship with, you're already, as you had said earlier, the one that the fans chant his name every time he is at bat. It It is going to be a wash as far as money goes. I think Correa is probably going to set the market. I would venture to think he would. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a pretty close contract when it comes to whoever is going to sign the deal. And as far as I, I'm concerned, I go for Javi first. Uh, and, and Javi's the guy I would go for. Correa is a great player. And if they end up with Correa, that's fine too. But I personally think Javi's the one that you can at least, fans would get more excited about bringing back Javi Baez than they would if you brought in um, Carlos Correa, even though those numbers are basically the same. Basically exactly. The same. 
And uh, before I jump to the ninth inning, two things. One, we're both wrong. The biggest, most exciting news that the Cubs are going to do in the front office, and I mentioned this three months ago before anybody, they're going to sign Nick Castellanos, and that is going to sell a lot of jerseys and a lot of tickets. You wait and see. This team is going to overpay for Nick, and they're going to basically tell the Cubs fans, you asked for it, and when he falters because of age and all those things, it's going to be, you know, the Cubs are like, well, at least I have his jersey. He's one of my favorite guys. Before the ninth inning, really quickly, go to Twitter. Go to Twitter. Go to Cubs confines right there. You see it on right there right now at the very top post it at the very top, an opportunity. You got to follow, you got to like, and you got to tag a friend that you would take. We have two free bleacher tickets to this coming Saturday's Cubs Cardinals series. Ryan didn't even know anything about this two free tickets to Cubs Cardinals on me. Cause we appreciate you as a listener. Very simple, very easy. Right now you have about a one in 40 chance to win. So it's really good. Let's move on to the ninth inning. Don't forget, go to Twitter, Cubs confines, zoom it back. This is recorded. You could record, you could go back and see if you forgot what it is. And I love this Tankapalooza. Let's look at the ratings right now, Ryan. We've got about two minutes before we're going to wrap up this show so we can get into the White Sox. Incredible coverage of a really better team than the Cubs, but we love what we're doing here on the Friendly Confines. Tankapalooza, right now, the Cubs, if the season ended today, are picking eighth in next year's draft. And we can pull up the numbers right now. I think Aldo has it on the ready. Uh, But this team... Two of the games, I'm sorry, two of the teams this team's playing and five of the games are actually ahead of the Cubs. Minnesota's right there at seven, you know, and look at Pittsburgh, probably not in reach, but potentially look there at fourth. I think the best the Cubs could do really is fifth. What would you rather have? We talked about this before, Ryan. Would you rather just forget about this year because we're all going to forget about it in two weeks and have the fifth pick of this next year's draft and potentially getting a franchise pitcher? Or would you rather kick the crap out of the Cardinals, knock them out of the playoff race. Cause right now they are the second wildcard team between um, after the, the Dodgers. What would you rather have a great draft pick on a forgettable year or kick the crap out of the Cardinals and knock them so far out of the playoff race. They won't know what hit them. I feel like I know what you're going to answer Chad. So I'm going to go with the opposite because this is the correct answer. Who cares if you kick the crap out of the Cardinals because the Cardinals are going to get the crap kicked out of them in the postseason if they make it. Get the pick. That, at the end of the day, is more important because if you get the pick, Chad, then you can consistently kick the crap out of the Cardinals year in and year out with a pitcher or a franchise player that will help your team for years to come, that will beat the living daylights out of the St. Louis Cardinals. So I am more concerned with this draft and getting a big pick and getting a big player as opposed to just ruining the Cardinal season. Nobody will even remember five years from now. Nobody will care because the Cardinals are going to lose in the one game playoff series against, you know, the Dodgers or the Giants, whoever they end up playing in that first round game. So it, it doesn't even matter at this point. So yes, Get the pick, Chad. That's all that matters. And, and, and what are you going to say? Are you going to say you yeah, ruined the Cardinals? Ba- season just baseball is so fun. Baseball is so fun. On September 7th, the Cardinals had a 2.8% chance of making the playoffs, and now they're in. Um, so I think, I think, I mean, the Cardinals have to do a, they, they've got to finish the job and there's a lot of other teams, the Phillies, um, the Padres who could obviously turn it back on. There's other factors at play. When the Cubs went on that winning streak a couple weeks ago, I, I, fans, non-Cub fans, like, hey, way to go. The Cubs are winning. I'm like, I know I don't want them to. Um, it doesn't matter, everybody. 
let's let let's see the heart of this team as we said earlier on. Let's enjoy some baseball and let's reset this and let's bring some new people to the table. So yes, I'm with you. Yes. If we have the opportunity at the fifth pick and we can still knock the Cardinals out, because keep in mind, we play the last three games of the season against the Cardinals. We could be spoilers just in one game. I like our chances there. But also, the Cardinals have seven games against us, and we're not very good. So we're going to maybe help their playoff uh, chances as we go. But that, you know what? Fun, fun show. You want to bring us home, Ryan? Yeah, real quick. Coach Ram 23, thanks for watching tonight. They shouldn't need high draft picks to be a successful organization. Sure, you can win with free agency, but the draft is very important as well. Just remember that. All right, uh, that is going to wrap things up for this edition of the Friendly Confines. Our thanks to Mark Carmen For Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. See you Friday. If you're coming out, hit me up on Twitter. I'll be in the bleachers Friday night and in the Catalina Club during the day. Day-night doubleheader. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a The first time you walk into Wrigley